You're listening to Resonate TL. You're listening to Resonate TL. We are your hosts. This is Ben. This is Brooksy. This is Ash. And my name is Ben Hamid. Hi. A commentary podcast from the Atlanta Chiefs. A commentary podcast from the Atlanta Chiefs. Talking about local events. Talking about places to local go. events. Art. Art. Music to listen to. The stuff that resonates and with us. And if we stumble upon a piece of Atlanta culture that resonates with us. And we're bringing it straight to you. Hence the name. Two weirdos in a closet. <laughs> This is our podcast. Resonate TL. Resonate TL. 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 Wow, it's quiet in here. Yeah, it is. We don't have power. No. Um, Irma knocked us out. Yeah. It's quiet enough to hear the smacks of the dog. <laughs> yeah, pretty Yeah, quiet. we are uh, podcasting in the dark, everyone. By candlelight. By candlelight and glow sticks. Like our ancestors used to podcast. With glow sticks, just like our ancestors. Glow- <laughs> yeah. So, if you, if you are expecting severe weather, do yourself a favor and go get yourself some glow sticks to make like necklaces and crowns and bracelets. It just adds a little. I mean, spice I to just, the night. I cracked open the glow sticks and started just putting them in glasses <laughs> and started leaving them in little corners. And you know, they kind of it, it works as a as a candle. As a yeah, it's like the same stuff that they use to make um, like these kind of things. The glow sticks is the same. They use the same thing in like safety, like industrial safety yep. lights. So, like, if you needed to get down into a crevice, they have these things that you can break off and you can actually use to look, um, or for any kind of, like, almost like flares, you know, it's the same, it's the same technology, so. Got it, got it. Okay. You can also use them to see things in the dark. These will be on well into the morning. Right. Um, what are we doing today? So today's episode is an interview with one of your bandmates, from Collective Efforts. Yep. Bamboo. Bamboo. Yeah. Robbie Deff. Robbie Deff. Um, <laughs> he came over and um, talked about his new um, single that he has out. Mm-hmm. Is it a single or an entire album? Well, he's working on a new project, but he has a new song called Memory Lane. Yeah. And uh, we kind of just... That's exactly what this episode is. It's kind of just a trip down memory lane with bamboo. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a treat for anybody who is, you know, kind of a fan of, of hip hop anthology, like in, the, you know, in the 90s to today. Um, yeah. And if you just want to listen to a guy who's got like a really serious radio voice, <laughs> like this guy right here. Is, he does have a great voice. Yeah, it'll... Um, yeah, so he came over and we interviewed him and, um, it was really interesting and I learned a lot about him. And if you're a fan of Bamboo, um, or of the Collective Efforts group, you know, it's just kind of, um, cool to see how they met and came together. Yeah, it's all, it's, it was nice to sit down with Bam and chop it up with him. Um, and we got to have him back because he told a couple like, pre-stories he's got some theories we need to crack <laughs> he, has, he has some theories um uh, yeah but let's get down to these theories let's go ahead and start off go ahead and start it off with the song memory lane yeah and um yeah so let's check it out here's an interview with bamboo the asiatic mm-hmm. and we'll see y'all on the other side a young cat grew up came to love rap some called it hip hop yeah baby bump that turn it up watch the speakers jump when the bass hit had a dream to become an MC and I chased it full throttle said I wouldn't stop till I make it always kept it real man never liked that fake shit used to buy the maxi cassettes for the intro so I could rock my own rhymes over instrumentals my homie used to beatbox I would spit a freestyle my other homie pop lot used to be wild back in the day before I moved to GA pops drove cross Country ice on the freeway, middle of the winter. Remember, it was so cold. 40 below, and the floorboard in the car was froze. Pumping BDP and the Walkman. Eric B and Rock him, man, that shit was popping. Remember that? Passion and dreams are vibrant. Remember 
when did Bamboo fall in love with hip hop? Um, I was like, it was like 83, 84, I was like eight or nine years old. Um, I kind of knew about hip hop a little bit, but I don't think I really got into hip hop much until I got to Spokane. So it was like, you know. So you were moving around a lot? Well, my dad used the Air Force, so, you know, born in South Dakota, moved to the Philippines for a couple of years when mm-hmm. I was two, come back to Abilene uh, when I was like three and a half, four years old, if I remember right. And we stayed there for, you know, four or five years. And then Is that where your dad met your mom? Nah, he met her in, uh, he, was in the, he was in Vietnam. In Vietnam? My mom was actually a, uh, a singer in a group, you know, that uh, band that uh, traveled yeah. around and played for the for the uh, non the NCOs, we call them non-commissioned officers that played for the for the soldiers out there. Okay, so tell this entire story. Well, I mean, I don't know the story as well as they do, but I know that my dad met her, and uh, in Vietnam, and she was performing out there. He was at a, one of their shows, and he what just, kind of stuff does she do? You know, back then they did cover music. They covered music. You know, Filipinos are good about covering soul music. <laughs> so, um, like, and then, we don't know that. I mean, whatever was out at the time, it was 1970. You know, it's like you know, it's 1970, 71, 72, somewhere in there. Whatever was out, it was popular. They were they were covering. Um, so yeah. You know, anyway, they met there, and then the rest is history. My dad brought her home and was like, you know, told his mom, "This is my wife." <laughs> it's like they got wow. married. It was like um, I think they were like he said it was, they were like 23, 24 years old. So he was stationed out there. Yeah. Met her, fell in love. Mm-hmm. This is my wife. Comes home. Little Bam comes. And born in South Dakota. So you were born in South Dakota. Went to Philippines. Yeah. So then a couple years there, you moved to Spokane. Texas. Texas. Yeah. South Dakota. Philippines. Philippines. Texas. Texas. Mm -hmm. Right. So so Texas was kind of like where I was like, kind of heard about hip hop a little bit. Got into like the B-boy inside of things. Really wasn't trying to be an MC then. Um, And, you know, but that's where I kind of fell in love with the actual music, you know, the, the with hip hop as a as a culture, as a music, um, a form of music. And then when I moved to Spokane, you know, that's where I actually started taking it to that next level. We're like, you know, you know, you know, this stuff is really dope. Well, you know, met a couple of people out there that would that his interests were similar and who actually knew more about hip hop music than I did at the time. So I learned a lot from them, was introduced to a lot of artists. I didn't know who Rock Him was. I don't know who Eric being Rock Him was at the time. And then, you know, and then, you know, he's, uh, we actually did this, uh, we did this Say No to Drugs rap for a third grade class. I think we were fourth grade. We did a Say, no's to, dr- say no to Drugs, um, not rap, but a performance, was like a like concert in the dare? classroom. Yeah. Was no, it, it was just something we did. Just I don't something. know. Because we, we used to, we had the playground, you know, when, when it was recess time. So the way it worked, you know, you went to school, they had the class, and then you'd have an, uh, an, a morning recess and an afternoon recess. And um, during the morning recesses, and, you know, we'd be out there, you know, beatboxing and just rhyming and imitating, you know, imitating MCs and rapping verses of the people's songs and stuff Who like that. Who was your favorite to imitate? I mean, I like cool. I, I just try to do Kumo D. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it was, uh, but anyway, the teacher saw it and was like, this is awesome. Can you guys do something for us? You know, in the, the class, well, wow, we did it. Long story short, we did it. We had wrote our little rhymes and did our little rhymes. And then he started just busting, my boy Chris started just busting rhymes of, uh, you know, verses of other people. And he busted his one verse. It was a rock him verse. And I was like, you know, after the, after we'd done, you know, we, we were walking back. I was like, yo, is that your rhyme? He's like, no, that's rock him. I was like, who is that? And then he was like, yo, you got to come over. And I was like, I went over and he introduced me. I was like, oh, my wow. God. Mind blown. Mind blown. Um, and then it's like, you know, from there, you know, it's just, you know, he ended up actually moving. And um, later on, you know, Air Force, you know, people just move. Next thing you know, your homie's gone. And um, they moved to another place somewhere else. Mm. And then, um, you know, we used to just go and just, you know, I used to take some mow lawns to make money. You know, after my, you know, my parents stopped giving me allowance. Um, I started mowing lawns. I'd take that money and I'd buy two things. I'd buy baseball cards and <laughs> I'd buy tapes of what I thought was hip hop. Um, and then, you know, I really started to get into it. And then you know, we had, you know, you have your crew, all your homies were like, yeah, we're all into, you know, we're all into the same thing. I mean, cats used to just be like, you know, try to be the first one to buy the new rock bass. You know, be the first one to buy the new, new uh, rock him joint. Mm-hmm. But the first one to buy the EPMD joint. You know, I thought I was the first one that ever discovered Dougie Fresh there, but apparently somebody else had it and just didn't tell anybody. And I was like, have you heard this guy? Yo, he's dope. And this other dude, Slick Rick. 
And, you know, we would just like try to outdo each other, try to be the first one to buy it. You know, and then, of course, if you beat me, then I'd be like, cool, let me borrow your tape so I can tape it Absolutely. and dub it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, so it was just cool. It was a cool vibe. And, you know, learned about a lot of music that way. Fell in love with the, you know, with, with the, the culture of hip hop at that point. Started trying, you know, I was rhyming, you know, I was like nine or ten. I was trying to rhyme. My whole goal is I'm going to be the youngest rapper ever to go. Did you have a rap name yet? Um, I had so many names. But we'll go with the ones that I remember. You know, um, there was Robbie Def. Robbie Def. Robbie Def. <laughs> Robbie Def. That's, I still want to. I'm, I'm, I'm like a, that. I'm going to drop an album called Robbie you, Def. Yeah. <laughs> no, like Asiatics. how Garth Brooks did Chris Gaines. You can do Robbie Def. Kind of. I'm thinking more like how RZA did Bobby Digital. Yeah. Because I don't fuck with Garth Brooks. But <laughs> it was Rob, R O B. B period Def D E F just like Dougie. Did you have a guy, a friend that beatboxed uh, for you? Yeah, yeah. We had this cat named Basil. You know, you know what his, you know what his name was? Like with his hip hop, his rap name, his beatbox name Uh was Beatbox Basil. (laughs) We called him Triple B. Triple B Beatbox Basil. I mean, he was like he would just. That's what he did. He didn't rap, but he just loved to beatbox. And you know, I mean, it wasn't like he was a beatbox like. You know, like the Fat Boys, like Buff and the Fat Boys and Dougie Fresh. He was he wasn't on that level, but you know. And that's great for rappers because, like, if you got a guy in the group that can beatbox, yeah. Because I mean, no one wants to like trade off the beatbox. Yeah, like they're just gonna because be not guys, everybody can do the, the beatbox that are the rapping. Same, you yeah, know? like they want to keep rapping and pass it back and forth, and they got the guy that beatbox is holding the groove. So he's a very important part. Yeah, he's so the drummer. Basically. He's like the drummer is like the is like the foundation of the song. Is like you know. Yes. And then you know you you're passing the beatbox around somebody like me with our beatbox, and then I'll fall off rhythm a little bit, and I'll try to catch it back up. And it's like it messed, it messed the see, whole cipher. Ba- Beatbox Basil might not have been strong on the rhyme, so it's like it kind of balances yeah, out. Was, so like, this is still Spokane, though. Yeah, that's Spokane. So, so. Beatbox Basil, you guys, you started a little crew. You were getting acclimated to hip hop, trying to figure out your name, doing all that stuff. Yep. And then you said, okay, so then you moved again. Like yeah, so, the people that are around you have yeah, become one distant one friends. Moving around, yeah. Do you still communicate with any of them? Uh, not really. Uh, my boy Chris, you know, we're you know linked up on Facebook, but it's not like we have conversations, you know. But at so, least you have contact. Yeah. After Spokane, all yeah. of a sudden your dad retires. Yeah, he retires and he's like, you know, we're gonna move to Georgia. So I was like, cool. Like, you know, we're gonna move out there. I was like, where are we gonna move? Like, you know, in the Atlanta area. I was like, Atlanta. All I heard was Atlanta. Oh, we're moving to Atlanta. Yes. You were excited about I it. I was excited about it. Was it a culture shock at all? <sighs> yes. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, but you know the thing is though, I mean like it was just it was a culture shock because the number one, the accent was so strong. I remember when I first came to Georgia, when I first went, I went to school, and then I heard this. There's this one dude, I forgot his name, he was a black guy, and he just started talking, but he talked so country, like not like not like you know, he was just like straight up country man. Like, how you doing? And I'm like, oh my god, I'm like what's going on? You know, where am I at? This is the Twilight Zone. Do, 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 do. So you're in high school, like, yeah, or a freshman? freshman? Yep, gotcha. So uh, where did you go to school? I went to Norquinet, yeah. What was your hip-hop community down here like? Um, I mean, I was just basically a loner at that point. I mean, you know, I was just, all I would do um, was search for hip-hop songs on the radio stations, uh, which is how I found 88.5, by the way, uh, Rhythm and Vibes. What do you mean search for hip Just like switch stations till you found Yeah, it hip-hop? wasn't digital like it is today. We had yeah. the knob. You know, yeah, we, knob, I was yeah. turning it. You know, just, you know, turning it, start from the way down at the end, just turn it slowly and, you know, Oh, I think I hear something. Right. So that's how I found. That's how I found eighty point five rhythm. All the way left. Yep. Switch it all the way left. You got eighty eight five. How old are you guys? Come on now. (laughs) Come on now. I'm twenty nine. I'm just barely in my (laughs) thirties. So yeah, it was. um, You know, it's cool. And then I met my boy. um, You know, we lived in Buford, and it's just like we lived in a. We had this, you know, this, this house. It was on this like an acre of land. It was like where we were living at. Everybody had like an acre of land. So your neighbor was not right next door to you like they are today. And uh, one of my friends, um, a really good friend of mine, still a really good friend of mine, um, Joe Davila, moved down the street. And I met him because we we're on the same bus route. We we're on the same street, but he's like, you know, half a mile down the street. So he gets in the bus, and you know, he's the only other brown kid. So I'm like, Yo, what's up? You know, I'm like, oh, you know, cool. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like, you know, so we, we, you know, we sat, they sat down, he sat next to me on the other side of the, of where I was at on the bus. And we, you know, we just talking. It was like, almost like we just knew each other. So we started talking, blah, blah, blah. 
find out we're all in the, we're into the same things. We start hanging out and, um, you know, we would just buy, you know, at that point it was CDs. Mm-hmm. CDs are starting to become a thing. He buy, buy CDs. I still buy tapes, but because um, I, you know, I I, I was affluent like that. You I still was, have your Walkman. I don't. I probably do though. My parents probably <laughs> at have this it in the time house. you had it though. Oh, you yeah. were buying tapes. I, mean, I wish I would have kept mine. Yeah. Sold that thing on eBay. The the, the last uh, era of Walkmans were pretty fancy. They had the little uh, waterproof little clips on them and stuff. The Sony. I didn't have that, but I wish no? I would have kept mine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any tape. I yeah, mean, the Sportsman. I, I think used, I'm thinking of the Sportsman. I put an adapter. I had a Walkman, and I did the adapter into the car mm-hmm. with the with the cassette tape until I got right. a car. Mm-hmm. Well, I, until I moved to Atlanta. And then so even after you had CDs, you'd still have to use that little cassette tape. I would thing. have to use that cassette yep, tape. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you're okay. You're in high school. Yes. You and Joe. It was like one of my good, like the first good friend that I made in Georgia. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was like secretly an MC at that point in time. I ain't literally let anybody know. I would just secretly write my own rhymes and, and stuff like that. I wasn't trying to, I just, I wasn't confident. And for good reason, because most of it was whack, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. And what, uh, what kind of subject matter? Were you still conscious? Like, yeah, so, I've like, always been like righteous bamboo. I've always been that way. That's, I mean, I've always been that, um, you know, I was always against racism. It really fight the system, fight the system type yeah. stuff. Um, that's why I love hip hop so much. Hip hop is like, you know, buck the system. This is different. We're doing something different. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're at the, we're at, we're at lunch at the lunch table. Right. And, you know, at, we're at Nork Gwinnett at lunch, at the lunch table. Um, and you know, he busted me out. He was like, yo, you know, Rob, he raps, right? You know what I'm saying? He was like, yo, bust a rhyme. So I busted yeah. a rhyme and I, I had to written this rhyme actually called racism. There's no chance that you remember it, right? I remember like parts of it, like racism, a very serious matter. It gets some on nerves, like the pit, pit patter of a little girl's shoes tapping on the floor. And that's all I remember. Nice. But, um, so he was like, yeah, yo, remember that rhyme? You busted that racism. Yo, bust that stuff right now. Bust it right now. I was like, oh hell no, nah, man! I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I was like, I did it for you because you my homie, you know. Now I'm sitting in front of all these people and they're like, yo, bust a rhyme, I'm like, yeah, we want to see you rap. So I did, and you know, that was the beginning of like the next chapter of my life in hip hop. You know, really actually being people knowing that I was an MC or that I actually was that I actually rhymed, you know. And then you know, back then my voice had changed, so I was this little skinny kid, like you know, really. Like maybe a hundred and ten pounds wet, right? With this powerful voice, and I had this voice. Yeah, you know, it wasn't as raspy as it is now, but it was this voice coming yeah. out of this little guy, and they were just like, "Man, where where did you get that voice from?" And it was like, and, you know, there was the voice that makes you dope. You know, it's like you said, it's the voice. Um, so that carried, you know, that carried. They liked it. They were like digging it. They were digging my voice. Probably like the the rhyme was probably whack to them, but that's fine. Um, anyway, that's where it started, and I got more, you know, started like, you know, at that point, I started formulating in my mind. You got the confidence. You get the starting the confidence, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Started yeah. writing more, and when did you get the name Bamboo, and how did that start? Uh, that was after high school. Um, so I was rolling around in the car. I used to carry this bamboo stick around that I got from a job that I had um, with an Oriental rug um, the company. They used to roll the rugs up in bamboo sticks and be like. Eight foot, ten foot bamboo sticks, depending on how long the rug was and how wide the rug was. So I got one of those cut up and I used to carry it around with me for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, I've got a bamboo stick in the back of my car. Anyway, I just thought it was, you know, it was cool. I was like, yo, this, this is dope. I like this. I cut it and I made it, you know, a. Um, You're like your staff. It was my staff. Yes, it was my my. Like where you like wielded your power. It was you know it was like Moses. You know had his staff. I like (laughs) slam my bamboo stick on the ground. Boom. It's a symbolism of virtue in Chinese culture. Right there you go. There it is. There it is. But yeah, so we were rolling around trying to think of a name, and um, my boy uh, El Bashim, aka Raw Deal, and you know um, that was his rap name. It was like we just just chilling. Riding around in the 77 Malibu Classic, the four-door <laughs> joint where all the hubcaps fell off except for one. And um, it was a straight uh, bucket, but it was um, my it was my wheels. You know, that's, it got us around. And he's like, yo, why don't you just call yourself Bamboo? And I was like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. That's, that was like, it just hit. It was like, <laughs> man, that just clicked. Yeah. And then that was it. From then on, I was Bamboo. And I added the, Asi- I added the Asiatic later on. Um, 
for whatever reason. I mean, I just, you know, kind of like the symbolism of the Asiatic of being of the Asian descent. I was really big into um, letting you know that I was Filipino back then. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, and I find that, you know, is I have a whole theory behind that. We won't go into my theory, but, you know, I was like hiding the white side. What, why won't you go into the theory? It's just it's 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 a whole nother conversation. It's I don't think we have enough time. to. You go think into it's that? Okay, fair enough. Because it'll become it'll become a conversation that will just go on and on and on. And it's really interesting. To um, a, well, for another night then. Yeah, for another night. All right. Exactly. So put a pin in it. Yeah. So anyway, that's why I threw the Asiatic in there because it was all about, you know, just trying to identify with my Filipino side. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the story. That's how it became Bamboo the Asiatic, um, which I guess will lead into the, you know, the the next portion of my hip hop life after the the Buford area. When I graduated from high school in Lawrenceville at Central Net, um, started hanging out with my boy Sinister or Sinister, you know, what I'm saying. And we um, we created a crew called Murder One. It was his crew, DJ crew. It was a reggae DJ crew, reggae DJ sound. And, you know, he was the selector. Remember man sinister back in 92. He had turntables and a mic. I was too hyped. Couple years later, met Silos at the barbershop. Used to bump his beat tapes, chilling in the parking lot. Smoking that dirt weed. Rolled up in the Philly blunt. All philosophical, thinking about what I really want. My focus never changed, though. Still chasing the same dream. Met the homie Mop, and he was focused on the same thing. So we dropped an album, Personal Revelations. Recorded in the bathroom of his parents' basement. Before we had Pro Tools, man. Shit was old school. Didn't have a budget back then we had to make do started doing shows in atlanta at the dope spots on stage like yes y'all and it don't stop then we got the whole scene together on some new shit an underground atl joint called the movement remember that and um so we created this crew and you know he used to DJ the parties around Gwinnett County and stuff like that, and you know, and did he use like air horns and stuff? In yeah, there? yeah, <laughs> a, a, yeah. I forgot. It's like remember the little samplers they used to have. You know, it had like like four pads on it, and yeah. you could sample it like you know. Yeah, it's kind of like an instant replay. These yeah, days. yeah, like uh, kind of like that, but it was like a cheap pad, version. Like cheap version, yeah, yeah, smaller setup. Yeah, absolutely. So we used to DJ the parties. You know, every you know. They always ended at eleven thirty because the cops would come, so we would pack up and head downtown and then hang out at the Royal Peacock. Mm. I mean, I was going to the Royal Peacock when I was like 17, no, 18. I was 18. And they would, and I would always go up there and I would say some dumb shit. Like when they asked for my ID, oh man, I'm, I don't have my ID. I'm from New York. Mm -hmm. I'm not from New York. But you sound like it. Yeah. I tried to sound like it. No, bamboo. I'm from New York. (laughs) I I, I tried (laughs) to emulate the accent. The, um, but the thing is like, they would just let me in. They knew it was like, whatever. I mean, I looked crazy young at that point in my life. And, you know, they let me in, but they would never serve me drinks. You know, well, the owner didn't, but the owner's wife back in the back corner would sneak me out. I'd be like, yo, let me get a Heineken. Let me get a Guinness. It was Heineken at first. And then I drank a Guinness and I was like, uh, and I got to drink another Guinness. And I finally started liking it. You know, it's a quiet taste. Sound like the owner's wife was trying to get you fucked up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, <laughs> I was used to just go there every weekend. It was a, I mean, I would literally, even if we, we didn't DJ party, I know that at, on Saturday night, I knew my crew was going to be there, even if we didn't talk to each other. This is back before cell phones. Yeah. This is like pager. Beepers. Yeah. Beepers. Yeah. Beepers. Hit me Beepers. on the hip. 911-911. And you call him up. What's up? Hey, man, what's going on? What you doing? <laughs> you just take me to BB 911, man. Scared what me to death. There's not an emergency, you know. That old conversation. Anyway. <laughs> That's the boy who cried 911 right there. You ain't never going to get that text back. Yeah. And then we met Moff. You know, I met Moff through a girl I was dating at the time. I was like 19. And um, I was dating this girl named Diana. Uh, briefly. And um, we ended up going. She introduced me to Moff. Now, when I met Moff, this is a cool story about Moff. So he had this DJ set up. I think it was in his garage. And he had you know, his turntables. You know, it was powered by he. <clears throat> and this, if you know Moff, he works on turntables and takes all kinds of electrical stuff apart, including his cars. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just knows how to mess with that stuff. He'll so fix he, your MPC. He had a car amp powering his DJ setup. He had it set up to where it would plug into the wall and that amp would power everything. Wow. It was just crazy. It was the it was like I was like, is that a car amp? He was like, Yeah, y'all hooked it up. An electrical genius. I was like, is that safe? This <laughs> 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 is like, but yeah, it was cool. So was he a DJ at this point? Yeah, he was a DJ. He was spinning and shit. <laughs> yeah, then I introduced him to, to um to Sinister. And um and that's really when, you know, Murder One started to expand and 
you know, we brought him in and, you know, we, we would just hang out and just do crazy shit. You know, we just hung out. And back then it was like all we did was hang out. We weren't doing much of anything but hanging out, smoking and drinking. And um, so was it, music happening or music just like was, kind of music playing? Well, we used to, you know, they play like, you know, it'd be at Sinister's house and, you know, he had the mic, the mic hooked up. And we, you know, he'd play instrumentals and I'd bust freestyles on them and stuff like that. Mop would scratch and do his mixes and stuff like that. We became, you know, he, he kind of, you know, he really honed in on his skills. And um, Sinister also did the same thing. And we just started DJing. We ended up DJing the Peacock a couple of times, which was dope because, like, the Peacock was like the woo. It's like, like, that's like the level that like, we made it. We made it. <laughs> and so the Royal Peacock is on Auburn Avenue. Yeah. Next to the Peacock was Ethiopian Vibes. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we linked up with this dude named Legacy, and um, this Jamaican dude, and he had uh, booked out the Ethiopian Vibes for Freak Neek Weekend. So we were playing, you know, we, we got a club at Freak Neek Weekend. And it was 94, I think. It was, the, it was like really jumping. Like it was like, it was back when, you know. The height of Freak Neek. The height of Freak It was like the pinnacle. Um, so, yeah, we had that club, and, you know, I mean, it's so much it was so much it was so much fun that I, I honestly don't remember a lot of what happened you know i just know i had a good ass time just look up freak nick yeah on wikipedia how do you spell and, that uh, f r e a k n i k anyway long story short you know um sinister you know was pushing me and moth to do something right and moth had bought this keyboard i think it was a uh, it was a Kurzweil. So he bought us, he was figuring it out and he started making beats. And then I was like, yo, we got to, you know, we got to do an album, but how are we going to record this? You know, it wasn't, you know, there's no Pro Tools, you know, not then. Um, so my, my boy Sinister, you know, got the VS880 for us. And, you know, he bought it on, he bought it on his credit and I was supposed to pay him, you know, pay for it. But I ended up paying him for it, but it was, you know, I wasn't so responsible at that time in my life. Anyway, we put the album, the Personal Revelations, together. So that was the joint that me and Moff did, and we recorded it in his um, parents' it's a, you know his parents' basement, essentially in the bathroom. But yeah, we you know mixed it down. He mixed it down on the VS eight eighty, and um, yeah, we started doing shows. The first show you I doing did. Shows? The first show I did was a, a Mumia nine one one benefit at uh, Karma, um, and we all did the show there, and it was you know went off really well. We ended up doing other shows, booking other shows, did you know the. Um, Dread Poet Society that Drez the Beatnik did mm-hmm. at uh, Spelman or the AU Center. Um, that's where I met Binkus. That's where I met uh, Quam Scott when he was in a group called Cult of Icon. Um, I mean, Chief Justice is, and I forgot his, I forgot his partner's name and the name of his group. I forgot the name of the group, but that's where I met everybody. History, you know, we, man. This you, George. History. From, Hemisphere. Uh, from Hemisphere. Um, you know, I met everybody. It was, it was, the scene was so, so dope back then it was just there's too many people to name i mean mass influence yeah I mean, mass it, influence it, just, it was i mean there was y'all loa yeah i remember when i first saw y'all at the yin yang and i was like whoa what's you know this is dope he's a live hip-hop band it's like blew my mind again the blows my mind um and then you know so many dope mcs remember we did the the underground railroad thing that um, I was finishing my verse up, and then you got you and Lael were coming in. Mm-hmm. That's the first time we ran into each other and met each other, but it was just wow. a happenstance, and we just met each other and moved on. I don't know if you remember that or not. Who was involved with that? That's Underground Railroad. It was some hip-hop mixtape show or something. that was, I can't remember. All I know is I did a verse for it, and they used it. That's all I remember about that. <laughs> so... But I think they were getting, like, all the MCs in the city, the dope, like, underground rappers to come in and and do a verse or something. That's why you guys were there. So yeah. is that the first exposure that you had to LOA? So yeah, then- you had to show Yin Yang. You guys are already, you know, packing stuff up. I just happened to be a Yin Yang for whatever reason that night. And then it was just like, yo, these, like, whoa, these dudes, are on the, they're rapping and there's a band. It just sounds dope. Um, so, yeah, it was like, you know, I became a fan of LOA. And then, you know, that whole... That whole era from, you know, doing the personal revelations, doing the, you know, the album and doing the shows and stuff, it kind of came to a, a close. And that's when Mill, I was actually doing a show, I think, I was doing a show at Yin Yang, which might have been Apache Cafe at the time, mm-hmm. um, or I was just there. And, and Mill, Mill just came up out it was of the Yin blue. Yang. It was yeah, Yin it was Yin Yang. Yang. Definitely. Mill came up out of the blue and just like, yo, what's up? What's your name? I was like, yo, it's Bamboo. He was like, nah, man, what's your real name? I was like, did this dude just ask me what my real name is? <laughs> 
I was like, it's, it's Rob. So mill. You know what I'm so saying? Mil. He's like, cool, cool. And he's like, you know, you wanna you wanna smoke a blunt? Yeah. Of course I do. <laughs> so, you know, and we like, you know, chilling in the back area, yin yang. And that's where we met. And then he introduced me to you. Um Mean. Back in 01, about a year later, we dropped an album called Visions of Things to Come. Collective efforts for short, they called a CE. Creation was a DJ, making music was easy. The chemistry was instant, music was uplifting. We were on our way, you can see it in the distance. A nationwide tour, we were traveling with Sound Tribe. Good vibes and good times, man, with a ride. Hooked up with Matt Weiss, he put together a live band. The shows are so live, man, it's like we were flying. Soaring to new heights, there wasn't no stopping us then. Who was that new hype? Steadily dropping them gems, linking with hand cuts. A label way out in Japan, put out two albums with them along with the 12 inch. Winning the national back then couldn't tell a shit. And though we all done, we still celebrate in the fellowship. Remember that. After information from the underground, that album was recorded. We played a few shows. We kind of did it, then LOA fizzled. The last people yes. standing making music together were was this guy right here, Mill, me, and Creation. Mm-hmm. And we got together at my little apartment at Emory and started recording music on this little Acid program Pro. called Acid Pro. And that was in an apartment that you recorded that? This little tiny one bedroom. Yeah. It's good um, audio. And upstairs lived the old keyboardist for LOA, Crisco. And he was a he's a great musician, good dude. He lived above me and uh collaborated on a lot of that early visions of things to come stuff. So like a lot of the keyboards and the stuff that you hear huh? is him playing on, even on the second record. You should have um, got the lady next door that kept yelling at us <laughs> to get on the record. Will you come over here and get on the record? Yeah. I had, a, I, I had my first experience with a horrible neighbor. Yeah. And she was, she hated me so bad. We used to be, it's the, but it's honestly, the bass in the we music. We used to have, we used I can to be understand. late though. I can understand. Yeah. We was up there at I two mean, o'clock in the morning. All you heard was, doom, doom. <laughs> And then you, you know those walls were thin, she and we had didn't a have a mic that she would just go boom, 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 boom on the side of my thing. Absolutely, asked her to she, be on the record. You don't know what she had. You don't know. I would go out and talk to her, be like, Susan, I'm so sorry. Just come and let me know. You don't have to bang. Just come let me know. Just come talk to me. You can call me. Here's my number. I'm like literally three feet away from you. <laughs> I understand that this is tough. This is what I do. I'm trying to work it out. She had this huge, ugly poodle. That she would let come out and like do all kinds of weird stuff. <laughs> anyway. Crazy Poodle. Crazy Poodle. Trail Mix. We did our release party for that album after we recorded like 30 songs that we thought were all good enough to share. 74 minutes and 59 <laughs> seconds worth. <laughs> but you know, whatever. It was still fun. I mean, there's that's some, still my there's favorite still album. There's some great songs on there. Yeah, there's I mean, some it's, sleepers, it's a lot but of, there's some great songs. There's a lot of people that really, really like that album. And you never know which ones. Like some people yeah. who are like, this song, this album is too long. I think you should have left it to these 15 songs. There'd be another group of people saying, this album's too long. You should have left it to the other 15 songs. Yeah. So, so many people. And the that LOA information from the Underground album, in fact, was kind of, it reminded me of the experience we have with the release party for trail mix. Yeah. Go through the album and look at all the guest appearances. We made sure that every one of these people that appeared on our album were at, at our release show. party. <laughs> at the, yeah. And we did a song from the album with them and a bonus song that we like made up beforehand with the MPCs yep. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I remember being at creations or whoever Moff's house, somebody's house that we were rehearsing at and having people coming over like DT and them and Amdex rehearsing the songs and getting them done. And I just remember that just being such a great experience, just like working with, you learn so much about the musical community. Yeah. I mean, just collaborating in general. I mean, in touch with it. Yeah. The name of the, the, our group name was collective Collective efforts. Efforts. So it made sense that we, you know, get everybody together and, and put together dope music. I mean, we were always open to collaborate with whoever, as long as it was, you know, we were on the same page. Right. Um, we put our last record out, um, 2011, 2011 freezing world. Yep. Dope. Album. And since then, great album. Since then you have released, uh, two EPs. Yeah. Two. Okay. The first one, the first one was, um, inspiration, inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my first solo release on a long time. And you had a full length. Yeah. I did a, 
so I had this, I always had this idea um, to put together uh, and, and a collabo album with as many of the people that I shared stages with as I could, um, which is was was the uh, Family Matters album. Family Matters. And, you know, and you were on that, of course. Um, and, you know, I, I was able to put together, I think, about 10 songs for that album. Um, just really one of the dopest. I, I was very, very, very proud of that album. Um, not because I did it. Yes, finally. I just because it was so many dope collaborations with so many dope artists. Um, it's just a, it's just a favorite. It's just it was a, it's my favorite album that I've done so far as a solo artist. Yeah, I'm um, glad I got the chance to be on. It was one of the few things I recorded and was released during that time period. You know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, killed I, it too. I love, love, love the picture on the cover of that album. Oh yeah, it's so cute. It's your mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. That's that's my mom and dad and me. <sighs> and if you peep it, you know, there's a pinto in the much. background. It's that perfect like. Because everything during that time was a little bit yellow. Like yeah. all of our family pictures had a little bit of that kind of yellow, yellow tint. look. Yep. Yeah. Who did that artwork for you? J. Mill. Really? Of course. You know, um, he does. He, you know. I mean, he obviously didn't take the picture, but he. he yeah. made, he the picture made is adorable, though. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mill's just a genius, man, when it comes to that. Uh, it comes to des- to designing stuff, you know, so. I honestly, I don't know if I'd ever have anybody else design my album covers besides him, unless he just totally said, I'm not doing any more of your album covers anymore. <laughs> um, you, you know, he would have to force me to. He would you. be your first choice, in other words. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. All, every single time. Um, he designed the new joint, too, that I just released back in July, the Let's awesome. Ride EP. Yes, sir. Um, killed that. Killed it. Oh, my God. That's it was great. just like people like the cover more than like the music, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm cool with that because the cover is so dope. I don't think that's true. Yeah. I really like the song, but the... I, I mean, the, not that the album cover is not dope, but the music is dope, too. Right. I mean, I think it's dope, too. I mean, yeah. that's just, you know, I'm biased, but I like what I do and I like the music that I make. And that's all that matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what's important is the authenticity and the confidence behind it. You know, how can you get more people to listen to it? Um, you know, I probably could start doing some shows. You know, I've been kind of tossing the idea around about getting back out there and doing shows again. Um, you know, it's just finding the time. You know, it's it's hard enough finding the time to make the music. If you're going to do a show, I got to figure out how to do the show and then I got to rehearse for the show. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's a lot involved to add to what a, what is already a busy life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to rule it out. I'm, you know, it's very, it's on the it's in my th- it's in the plans to at least do one more show in Atlanta um, sometime, maybe this year, maybe beginning of the year. I'm going to try to figure something out. You know, when I feel comfortable, I might go ahead and do it. You know, it's just doing it as a solo artist is different than doing it with collective efforts. Cause I'm, when you have two homies on the side you know, that are backing you up, then, you know, it's, it's a lot more comfortable. But if I'm out there doing a solo song, a solo show, you know, there's nobody backing me up yeah. per se. Right. How have you found like writing as a solo artist? Um, it was uh, very hard at first. At first, it's kind of hard, huh? Yeah, because you know when we we were as collective ever, we write one sixteen bars, eighteen bar, or sixteen bar, twenty four bar verse or whatever, and then we're done. And then everybody's done with their part. And then, well, it's yeah. not only that you you get to bounce it off another person, right? And that person will challenge you. You yes. know, you're like. Well, I didn't even think of that. Well, well I mean, it, so you know, you remember the dynamic of when you're writing a song and there's yeah. like the person who had the first verse on it. Yep. Everyone's like, well, like, no, I gotta, I gotta go, we gotta go a little harder. Yeah. I mean, everybody's always trying to push each other, push each other. Well, I mean, that's, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's the one thing, like, um, through our years and collective efforts, I mean, that was the one thing I think I grew lyrically and stylistically. I, I grew leaps and bounds from the time that we connected to begin with to where I'm to where I was at when you know when we dropped our last album. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's even carried on into my solo project. So now yeah, I'm even too, yeah. I'm more critical of my rhymes, mainly because of you. You make me you made you used to tell me like you gotta think about the internal rhyme scheme. And I remember you telling me to hammer that in my head and I started figuring it out. And I, you know, if you listen to my style and the way the words are are, are are expressed now is like the the internal rhyme is there now. Um, that's something I didn't really have back in the day. And then um, you know just you know trying to be you know a little more um, you know just not so in the box, right? 
So I've been, you know, so yeah, it's it's harder. You know, at first it was hard to write solo songs. You know, I was so used to just writing one verse and being done. Um, and, Much less like a hook and everything. Yeah, so now we're doing the whole through, thing. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, really, it's just now, you know, so the Family Matters album was dope because I only had to write one verse. And, you know, and hooks, it was it was good. But it was good exercise to get to the point that helped me get the Let's Ride album together. Mm-hmm. And the Let's Ride album was even more, more practice for me. So, I, um, you know, it helped me even... Uh, refine my my technique and, and my writing skills even more you know with that album and you know i'm already probably six seven songs into the next one um and i've done these six seven songs in the last month and a half yeah you're so prolific as shit right now you're- it's 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 a motivated i mean like you know in this in this you know when you know when you're when you're rolling just roll with it you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying ride the wave because there might be a time where I can't, I'll, I feel like I can't write anything. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm like you know six, seven songs into the next album. Um, you know, I like probably three of them, three of the new ones. That sounds about right. And um, you know, it's it's cool because this one I'm gonna take my time. I was gonna put out another EP out like in October, but I thought about it. I was like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, we got to push the Let's Ride project, right? You know, you put a lot of energy and they put a lot of work into these projects, even though it's only five songs. And on the surface, it looks like, oh, it's only five songs. But like, there's a lot of work that goes into it um, to make it sound, you know, make it sound the way it sounds. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I re- I mixed and started over again on Sticks and Stones. Over and over. I don't like the way my vocal sounds. Like, just for a while, I couldn't get the vocal right. I couldn't figure out what I was doing. And then... Hmm. And it was like, why does I you know it sounded way different than everything else? It didn't sound consistent with everything else that was uh, on the other songs. And I was just like, couldn't figure it out. And I finally did. It was a, it was an EQ thing. One day I just forced myself to sit down and start messing with the EQ and right. you know, figuring it out. Finally figured it out. So I got it sounding right. Um, but yeah, you put a lot of time and work into it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna push the album. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep pushing the Let's Ride project. And while I'm doing that, um, I'm just gonna keep recording. I recorded a new joint today. You know, that I wrote on uh, Monday, yesterday, actually, I wrote it yesterday. So I recorded a new joint today. Um, and, um, you know, I'm just going to try to keep staying busy. And um, the funny thing is, is the, the, you know, at this point now that I've put out this Let's Ride project, and, you know, that's pretty much, it's an all solo album. Um, I'm kind of in a, I'm kind of um, in, on a roll in terms of it's easier for me to write now than it was before. Mm-hmm. So now completing an entire song is not as difficult as it was, you know, at the beginning of the Let's Ride project. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. It's like exercise, right? You're right. And, you know, the, the, it's like muscle memory. You start figuring, you know, you just got, you know, you get on a little roll. Everything's fresh. Your mind's working. Everything, you know, everything is, is you know, we're, 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 you know, working with grease, cooking with grease, <laughs> cooking with grease, man. So yeah, so I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep riding with it. At this point, I'm gonna keep pushing it and then you know, dropping as many songs as I can do. Um, and as you should, man. You yeah. got you're a great artist with a bunch of good things to say, man. Thank you, appreciate that. I have a question um, for people who may be listening that are like either in this struggle of trying to do something artistic in tandem with a job, family. How, like, what it, what would be, like, your piece of advice to people who are trying to juggle all three of those things? Because they, they take up, like, separate spaces in your brain, but you're, but at a certain point, your brain's kind of spent throughout the day, right? So, yeah. I mean, I think it's important, whether you're doing something artistic or just doing something for yourself in general, um, I think it's important that, you, you know, you, if anything, at, you know, set a day, set aside one day a week. In any situation, you know, you can find either a day or a half a day or a couple of hours that you can put aside for whatever it is that you want to do, whether it's, you know, re- you know, recording music, writing music, whether it's painting, whether it's just doing yoga, whether it's doing absolutely nothing at all. Um, I think it's important and it's uh, and it's healthy to, you know, with even with the family and things that you're going with, with kids and a wife and, you know, job and this and that and that and this. Um you, you got to find that time for yourself. And, you know, you know, I'm kind of, I feel blessed and I feel very lucky to be in the situation that I'm in where I'm working from home because mm-hmm. that um, allows me to be a lot more flexible. So, um, you know, with the time in the morning, you know, with that hour, 15 minutes I got, you know, I'll, you know, work then. 
And then instead of taking a lunch and going to get something to eat, I might sit down and work on a beat for 30 minutes. There you go. You know, and eat a sandwich. <laughs> um, you know, then and you know, then I'll still sometimes, you know, my wife goes to sleep early, and you know, it's, you know, I'm not I'm not tired because of course I drink I drink coffee till all hours of the night, and um, so I'm wide awake. So I go downstairs, and I'll just you know maybe I want to write at that point in time, maybe I'm gonna keep working on the beat that I started earlier in the day. Um, so, you know, I try to find, you know, bits and pieces of time here and there. So I'm, I'm, you know, in my situation, I'm able to do a lot of these things, um, throughout the day. Yeah. Um, but you know, and as you're awake, you're working. Yeah. You know, before when I had a, when I was actually had a full time, I went to the office and everything like that. And I had to drive all the way to Kennesaw and back, you know, I only had time in the evening. Yeah. That was it. You know, I would be up until one o'clock in the morning and it was really, really difficult. It's like we were talking about earlier. It's like they spent energy. Yeah. It's it's already... It's already been used. Yeah, yeah. You're it, trying to. You can get that coffee energy, which is like the gives you a quick boost. Quick boost, but it's kind of synthetic. It's yeah. not like actual creative energy. It's just uh, alertness. Yep. So sometimes you're kind of struggling with like coming up with words, mm-hmm. even though you're like alert and you're feeling it and you're awake and you're there. Yeah. Sometimes, like you're saying, that early morning energy to be able to sit and write is just priceless. Yeah, because you're fresh I and mean, your your brain is yeah. is rested, um, your body's rested. You're you know mentally you're you're you know you're in the best shape to do something creative at that point in time, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so it works. I think that's really what what helps the creativity side and and, and helps me continue to be actively you know writing on a con- on a consistent basis. Yeah, man. You know, there's lots of rhymes that I wrote that I didn't like, but that's fine. That's normal. Yeah, that's normal. It's no just, one ever writes likes everything they write. Yeah, and you know, but it's good be, because you have to be critical. Know. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I bounce stuff off um, Pocket, my, you know, DJ Pocket. I bounce stuff off of him. Um, you know, like you were, we were talking. How about did you earlier. meet Pocket? Um, I met him at five two nine, and we just linked up. You know, and it was cool. We just, you know, he invited me over to come hang out with him and Count Bass D, and they were just, you know, making music in the basement. Mm-hmm. So I came out and hung out with them, you know, and, and then I think we, we met up again at, uh, we met each other, saw each other again at 529 or somewhere, and we started talking. And he actually started working at the, you know, the, the place I was working at the time. So, we, you know, we started kicking it more. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he, he does um, a lot of mixing and things like that. He actually went to school for mixing. So I bounced mixes off him, I bounced songs off of him. Um, but you know, it's good. You know, it's important if you're a solo artist that you have somebody to bounce it off of. Absolutely. You know, cause you, you can't sit there and just criticize your own stuff. Either you're going to be not critical enough or overly critical. Yeah. And, um, it, you need that outside voice, that third voice that, uh, that, you know, that somebody to tell you your song is dope versus dope, but you know what? Your kick's not hitting hard enough. Your snare is not popping hard enough. Yeah. You could do something with the vocal. You need to throw it, you know, maybe a, try a reverb or something. Sure. You know, that's the kind of feedback I give him pocket. And it's like, you know, and, you know, he'll say, you know, he, he tell, you know, he'll tell me what he thinks. And then I'll go back and I'll listen to it. And I'll be like, you know, he's right. Mm-hmm. So I'll you know, fix a mix. Or maybe he'll say something about the verse, you know, don't fit. Or, you know, if the verse is only okay, then I'll be like, all right, cool. I'll just scrap that. That's good to have somebody yeah. like that for sure. Yeah, it's, you know, it's cool to have him. You know, it's my homie. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, that's it's just a story, you know. As far as you know, putting the Less Ride album together, the next album, I don't know what. What's your favorite it. song off Less Ride? Hmm. Um, if you could pick one song right now to listen to, what would it be? Uh, probably Sticks and Stones. Sticks and Stones. Yeah, the one that was the hardest to mix. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, labor of love. It is, and I also like my verses on that song. Yeah. I feel my I, favorite song is uh, Love Leads. Ah yes, but. Uh, I mean, I think it's a great record. I mean, the EP is solid as hell, and uh, congrats. Thank you. Thank Good you. stuff, man. I'm glad you're still working, even amidst maintaining a family life and and grinding. You're doing what you love, and it's a it's inspiring. It's fun. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm having fun doing it, and that's Good. really is the important thing. Is that it's you know, it's like your labor of love. It's it's not really like work doing all this stuff. Uh, to me, you know, if it started starts being like work, then I better be making some money at it. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm not going to say I'm going to stop, but I will stop if it becomes, it feels like work and I'm not making any money at it, then yeah, it's going to be, you know, but I don't ever see that happen. And I, I don't really, can I can't really foresee me ever stopping right. making music. Exactly. To me, it's more like it's life-saving. Yeah. 
It's therapy. Before it's anything else. Yeah, it's therapy. It it's keeps like, me sane, you know. Exactly. Keeps me from going crazy. Well, um, thanks for talking to us, man. Yeah, thanks for having thank me. I, I really appreciate y'all bringing me out, um, putting me on the on the show, man. It's dope. Yeah, man. And uh, we're going to play it out with uh, Sticks and Stones. Yeah. Word up. Let's do it. All right. Bamboo to Asiatic. Sticks and stones might break your bones, but the words I speak on the microphone will make you throw your hands in the air. Wave them like it is don't care. Good things, ma'am. Good Thank things. You, Cheers. Thank you, honey. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> CE represent. Always. But the words I speak, 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 speak. Halfway down a long road, take a look back. Is this the right path or am I on the wrong track? Is this the golden brick road to all glory or am I walking on gravel, man? Where's the story for? I wish I knew, I wish I had a clue. I'll probably make a change or two and follow through with a little extra. Man, I love the texture and I feel the pressure to be a be a better man. Done a little dirt, but they never caught us. I'm way steep and it's still trying to test the waters. It all seems fine till a shark bites in a hard fight. You learn real quick how much it might cost you. I'm humble now, already tumbled down the mountain More than once, took a little while to come around But here I am, funky fresh in the flesh I manifest, still holding it down Sticks and stones might break your bones But the words I speak through the microphone I make you Sticks and stones might break your bones But the words I speak through the microphone I make you Man, that wind is picking up, and yeah, our power is. is still not back on. Yeah. So uh, power's not back on. You know, we have, we still have hope though. Andre's keeping lookout for us. But uh, that was a really fun interview to do. Um, we want to encourage everybody to check out um, Bamboo's uh, the Bandcamp, which is um, ugsouthbandcamp.com. Yep, ugsouth.bandcamp.com. Yep. yep. And uh, so you can check out all of his music and then we are we already shared a little link to his um to his LP but we'll we'll share some more information um about Bamboo's work. Yeah, we'll put all the links and stuff you need on the website. Yep. Um, um Man, that feels good. Yeah. That air just coming <laughs> in here. All right. Anyway, um, yeah, it was great talking to Bam. Please support this guy. He's a good dude. Mhm. We got mouths to feed. There you go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, he works hard and deserves your support. Absolutely. And you can find us at facebook.com slash resonatl or resonatl Instagram, which is R-E-S-O-N-A-T-L. Um, and then also at resonatl on SoundCloud is uh, where you can listen to our older episodes. We had a great time today. Anybody affected by Hurricane Irma, we're thinking about you. And we're going to put a bunch of links, any links that we find that we think are uh, trustworthy places to put your donations. We're going to share them. And uh, Resonate TL signing off. We'll be back with power. We got no power. 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 We got no power. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Bye-bye. Bye.